Do you believe in miracles? Got Fizzle in the house. Fizzle, what what's up, Fizzle? good, man? Fizzle, glad to have you here. Let's go. This the South Harmon Podcast. Glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Dynasty best ball, that's my favorite way. 40 chess trade show. Let's make a trade today or check the AMA. You know Adam at the ATM. Mike always in the building. He gonna stay with him. They gonna start every show off with their own trade. Fantasy's a big ocean, they made their own wave. Make sure you tap in there Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesday night, Saturday morning, ain't no better way. Hit that notification bell when the news break. Go subscribe right now, don't get the news late. Destination Devi, that's the team. Dynasty football, man, that's my favorite thing. I remember Biggie said it was all a dream. Now people watching on their phones and computer screens. Welcome to the team. Welcome back into another episode of the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. When you hear my voice to start off, that means that Mike isn't here, and you know that early. The reality is Mike pushed through hard this week, but he, he lost his voice. He can't he can't talk. If you can't talk, you can't do the podcast. So day of, I'm thinking, okay, who do I get on the show? And Dynasty Degenerates, I got a treat for you. It's one half of 4D Chess and one half of America's game. Eric Van Eck is joining us here on the 4D Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. Eric, appreciate you hopping in on short notice, man. I'm looking forward to this one. I think we've got a really good topic. We're, as always, we're going to kick it and, and hang out. But how you doing, man? Hey, Adam. Uh, yeah, everything's going good, man. Going, you know, Dynasty rookie drafts are pretty much wrapping up. I still got a few left lingering, but everything's going good, man. I can't really uh, complain. Um now, now it's the long part of the off season where we got to wait till like training camp, you know, mm-hmm. like when things start rolling again. So like, this is like literally the dog days of summer and you're like, Oh, like, can this like start already? Like you're like tired of looking through your teams and trying to trade with a guy and you can never get anything done. So yeah, there, there, yeah. there's, there's so much about this time that makes that so true. It's like, at least for the beginning part, right? Like there's OTAs, there's people that, you know, it feels like it's not going to be that far, but it, the longer it goes in this summer period, right, May, June, July, this next period, there's a few things that's going to happen. The conjecture, because there's no actual things happening that really move the needle outside of, you know, rare injuries that happen outside of team activities like Cam Akers was a couple years ago. Outside of stuff like that, like it's all going to be just talk and noise. And that part really, I think, drums up the anticipation for the season and everybody's so ready for football to start, um, you know, come August, September. So um, we are in that period now, especially after you've had your rookie draft, like you talked about. I know there are some leagues out there that are still waiting to draft, um, maybe in the next week or two. But by and large, everybody's had their draft already or is going to really wrap them up here shortly. After that draft period's over, players are put to names. or uh, Names are put to the picks, right? It's no longer just pick numbers for the 23 class. The, the trades look a lot different than when we're having the 23 picks in there. So... I think, uh, Eric, what we kind of talked about 
you know, I kind of, I kind of threw an idea out there. You kind of threw one back and I think it really, it gels well. So Eric, I'll, I'll let you kind of start off and talk about it for you and your leagues um, and dynasty degenerates kind of pay attention to, we're going to look at some different things here, whether it's lineup or best ball, but how we're really going to treat our roster now, like you said earlier with trades, you're still reliant on, on someone else to make a trade and someone else's values to meet with yours. Right. But what can we do about our teams right now as far as managing them and managing the roster construction so that we get the most bang for our buck as far as utilizing the waiver wire, making trades fit what our roster ideas are to do, how we get the values and the players that we want at this time of year. So I'm kind of going to let you talk about how you're looking at it right now, and um, I'll kind of piggyback off that as well. Sure. So, you know, post-rookie drafts, you know, everything opens up the waivers usually, you know, our leagues that I run usually run on Wednesdays during the off season, just a one day. Um, I don't have open waivers during the off season. So on Wednesdays, everything opens up for everybody to make their bids and whatnot. So the first thing that I usually like to do, it goes through, go through, yeah, going through my rosters. I'm going to go ahead and just like cut some of this dead weight that I might have still lingering around. Like, after the draft, you know, there's going to be like Naeem Hines, guy that I've probably cut, you know, five or six times this week after looking through some of my rosters. Like, I just don't see a role for him anymore. He's kind of like just a kick returner now. And it's unfortunate. I really like Naeem Hines, the player, but having that kind of guy in my roster outside of like a really deep league, I probably just don't want that guy anymore. So I'm going through, I'm cutting guys like that. I'm cutting like those free agents that are still lingering around, you know, they're the, um, like Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, Mike Davis, guys like that. I'm going to go ahead and just cut those guys. They haven't signed yet. I don't think they're going to be like, um, somebody who, if they sign tomorrow, I'm going to regret cutting them. So those are some of the guys I'm going to end up cutting. Um, you know, there's a few of the free agents that are still available. So like Zeke, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon to an extent. I know I've seen some people cut Melvin Gordon this week. I'm going to probably hold on to those guys and see if they get a job like right before camp. I don't mind um, holding a roster spot for those types of guys, but usually anyone else that hasn't like signed yet for any of the other teams, I'm going to just go ahead and cut them off of my rosters. So that's going to open up some roster spots for me. Now, from there, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of look at the waivers and see what rookies ended up making it through uh, to waivers from the rookie draft that I can go ahead and pick up. Now, I don't mind, if, you know, let's say $200 fab budget. Like, I don't mind blowing 75 to 100 bucks on, you know, um, undrafted free agents um, stuff like that. Like if it's the right kind of guys or guys, you know, that didn't get picked that were drafted, stuff like that. I don't mind doing that kind of just depends on your league. You kind of know your leagues better than I would. Uh, maybe, maybe 75 is a little too much, but I don't mind putting like 11 bucks, 12 bucks, 10 bucks on some of these guys just to get them. And we can talk about some of the names yeah. that I've picked up quite a bit too. Yeah. Let's um, do that. What, what are some of the targets we're looking at here? And I can talk to it. Um, in some of my leagues, we'll st we'll stick with lineup for now, right? Um, and we can sure. move into best ball in a bit. But some names I I've got a few, so I want to hear yours, and uh, maybe we can kind of combine guys that we are looking at picking up um, that you know 
in, in a decent amount of leagues are going to be available. Um, right, there's obviously right. going to be some exceptions, but like guys that you you have a really you have a, a realistic chance, maybe you know thirty percent or higher, that person has a chance to be on on the waiver wire in these type of leagues. Right. So I think it also depends on your league size too. So Correct. if it's a twenty-five to thirty-man roster league. Some of these names I'm probably going to talk about are probably not good for you. Yep. Um, some of these bigger roster leagues, if you're carrying 35, 40, even more than that, then some of these guys you're going to want to keep on. So, like, I would say some of these backup quarterbacks that didn't get drafted in your league, um, the wide, the late-round wide receivers, like most of those guys, like I'm not rostering any of those guys only in deep leagues. Correct. Any of these, like, 25, 30-man roster leagues, I don't think I can afford to roster those guys unless I have a taxi squad where I can maybe stash one or two of these guys. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. I was going to say like mm-hmm. I have some leagues where you have a taxi, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't I'm with you. I'm not doing a lot of the receivers that got late round draft capital because it just doesn't long long play process, it's not the smartest thing to do. There there's a couple mm-hmm. scenarios like I have a taxi that's 6, right? And I'm like yep. Right now after waivers ran and what was there, I'm like, "All right, well, Rakeem Jarrett, like I'm, you're gonna go on my taxi. I don't, I don't really have a lot of hope for you long term, but he's not like burning a hole in my pocket, and there's not a bunch of the names we're gonna get to, so I put him out there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking to add him in a ton of leagues if he's even on the on the wire. If it's a lineup league and we're starting ten, because I'd rather have higher receivers. But um, just to that point, wanted to make that mention as well. Yeah, so like a guy like Rakeem Jarrett, I liked him coming into the draft, but since he went undrafted, I literally have one share of him and it's in a really deep league. Yep, same so here. So that just kind of tells you on that. So in those like shallower leagues, it's pretty much just the running backs is all I'm going to really pick up. Yep. In those deeper 35, 40-man roster leagues, I'm open to carrying some of these backup quarterbacks, maybe take a shot or two at a couple of these wide receivers and the tight ends, because for the tight ends and wide receivers and the quarterbacks, they're going to take a little bit longer to develop or finally hit for you. Like it's very rare that any of these guys are going to come right in and smash for you day one with running backs. It's a lot easier to figure out, Hey, is this guy going to have a roster spot? Is he on the team? And he's going to be useful for me on, on the team. So you know, kind of just looking back at a few guys like last year, Ty Chandler, Tristan Ebner, those types of players, Malik Davis, uh, Jalen Warren. I had a shit ton of those guys. Yep. And I, you know, I'm still rostering pretty much all of those guys everywhere. And those are guys that I either drafted really late or I got off waivers pretty much everywhere. Like well, Jalen Warren was a guy nobody had drafted at all. And I probably had about 15 to 20 shares that I had just picked up. Um, and I still have most of those guys. So just kind of paying attention to that as well. No, that's a great point. I, I think, uh, Eric, obviously those names are good. I mean, and it's, I'll say this, it's interesting for me, um, with Jalen Warren, like obviously with roster construction, you want as many of those type guys as you can have. Uh, you want to put a bunch of those on your backups in your bench spots that you don't have to worry about starting. But if Najee Harris went down or he's going to have a good projected workload, you could put him in uh, a flex or running back two spot. But I will say it's interesting with him especially. It's like there's still kind of a cult following for him given like last year Najee was kind of banged up and it seemed like Jalen Warren – I'm not going to say he didn't look good. There was times where he did look really good, but he never did a whole bunch with the opportunity he had last year. Um, but I'm still in this format. I think he's a perfect one. I think the one that was like the biggest home run you either drafted very late or got off waivers last year in that 
mindset was uh, Isaiah Pacheco. And, like, I saw oh, that yeah. happen yep. some. And he was – now, the reason I wanted to make mention of that is there's there's le- there's definitely levels to this and layers to it, right? You're going to go through – if you're in a portfolio or even if you're just in a couple leagues, you're going to pick up these guys. And which ones hit – like, we may – we may give you the names of, of guys we like and why we like them. But overall, if you're picking up those type of players, okay, may, maybe you get, you know, Ebner. And it it's absolutely does nothing for you. But if you do this process over enough leagues, you're going to end up getting a few shares of Jalen Warren. You're going to end up getting a few shares of Pacheco. And overall, that's going to help weigh up the total value of your dynasty teams and help get some of the guys that should be off of your squad that you're hanging on hope for that you shouldn't out of your team sometimes those little edges eric i think that we're getting to today is such a big deal so what are the names for you then this year that we're targeting at the running back position that could be like those guys you mentioned from last year so at the running back position right now i just pulled up my shares that i have right now so the one that i've picked up he's actually jumped to my number one most owned rookie so far this year and that's uh amere de mercado he was the backup at tcu this year um, so he played in um, the national championship game. He played a little bit in the Michigan game for TCU as well behind Kendra Miller. And he's, I mean, he's a pretty decent prospect. He did run a four, four, uh, seven, I believe it was at his, uh, pro day. So that was pretty good for him. And he's a guy that, you know, he's got some speed. He, he didn't look bad when he did play and he's on Arizona. Who does Arizona have? It's just James Connor and Keontae Ingram right now. Yes. So literally he has a very good shot. Kind of why I picked up Malik Davis and Jalen Warren so much last year is because they legit had a shot to make the roster. Imamari DiMercato has a shot to realistically make the roster and stick for Arizona. Now Arizona could ultimately end up signing another guy, but you know, he can still at least make the practice squad or show off here in the preseason a little bit. Like he's going to get a lot of run. Like, how many snaps do you think James Connor's going to take in the preseason? Maybe like 10. So Dee Mercado and yeah, Dee Mercado and Keonta Ingram right now are probably going to be two of the guys who get a boatload of work for Arizona in the preseason. So that's one guy. Um, let's see who else is on here. Mohammed Ibrahim. I kind of liked him a little bit. Um, he ended up going to Detroit and uh, as an undrafted free agent. I just like the talent. He's probably a little bit buried. There is a lot of other guys ahead of him. So it's kind of a guy I can see if he does anything in preseason. And you got to remember too, like even if they shine in the preseason and they don't make this team, somebody else could realistically pick them up um, off of waivers and put them on their 53 to start the year. So that's another reason to hold these guys um, Evan Hole, I've seen um, in some of the shower look, rookie leagues, like uh, if you only do like three rounds, he'll fall out. Uh, Chris Rodriguez is another guy that I'll pick up for Washington. Obviously, they want to run the ball, and pretty much Rodriguez is a guy who's kind of like Brian Robinson where he's just a hammer. He's a north-south guy. He's going to run the ball really well for you. He's gotten a lot of work in the SEC with a bunch of carries, so he knows what he's doing. Kenny McIntosh is another guy. We didn't really like him at all, but, hell, I'll, I'll pick that guy up for free off of the waivers. Yeah, know? I mean, he la- he lands in Seattle. They'd like to run the football. Yeah. They obviously – I think one reason he's a, a good person to talk about is I think – see. You see them take Charbonnet, and I think people are basically like, there's no path between the two workhorse guys that we view in in those. But, like, 
that's not even necessarily the goal. Like, uh, one, one, I, one I always talk about from last year, Eric, I think that would be a similar case in point to, to this. So last year, uh, the Jets had Brees Hall and Michael Carter, right? Which basically right. buried Zonovan Knight, and most people didn't care about him. And I think that's yep. a, a scenario with, like, Kenny McIntosh. He may not do anything for you for a while, but you don't need this guy to play. You put him on your bench, you hold him for a while, you can put him in the taxi if you wanted to if you had that spot. And if there's an injury to, let's say, Zach Charbonnet, now there's just Kenneth Walker. It's the Kenneth Walker show again, but he could end up getting banged up in-game or you know, a week he misses with a, a small injury. Like All of a sudden, Kenny McIntosh in a Pete Carroll offense that wants to establish the run for a couple weeks is someone you want to fire up. So that that's kind of the idea when you're talking about guys this far down as well. Right. Zonovan Knight is actually a really good uh, example because that's another guy that I had a lot of last year too, probably over 10 plus shares for sure. And that's a guy that he didn't really play the first month, two months of the season. Brees was running well. They had Ty Johnson. They had Michael Carter. They had all these guys that were ahead of him. And obviously it took Brees going down. Michael Carter was banged up. Ty Johnson was banged up a little bit. It took a little bit before Zonovan Knight actually got his his run. So there was a few leagues where I was desperate enough to like, man, I need a roster spot. He hasn't come up in like a month or two. I got to drop him. But there was a lot of leagues in my deeper leagues where I still held on to him. And that's another key as well. Like if they are not playing opening week, it's okay. Like it's okay to be patient on some of these guys, especially if you really like them and they showed off in the preseason a little bit. So one guy, an example that um, I did that with last year was Tyler Goodson for the Packers. So Tyler Goodson didn't play like maybe five snaps all year. Yeah, it sucked that, you know, I held him pretty much all year, but I really liked the talent. He was really good in the preseason. It just didn't work out. Like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon pretty much stayed healthy all year, and their third back that they really use is, like, maybe a special teams guy. So, like, sometimes it doesn't work out, but sometimes it does, like with Zonovan Knight. Like, Zonovan Knight probably won you some games down the stretch if you had to play him. So, just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was there any other names that you were – I know you said Kenny McIntosh. Any other ones you wanted to touch on? Yeah, uh, I, so I can get like, too as well. Yeah, Daneric Prince, Xavier Valade, Tyon Evans, Kalen LeBorn, who's another undrafted guy. He went to the 49ers, and obviously it's the 49ers. You kind of just pick up any running back from there. Uh, Kalen LeBorn was a Florida State running back. I think he ended up transferring to Marshall. I don't know the exact story there, but uh, Scott really likes him. So that's a guy Scott's mentioned to me. I'm, I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to trust Scott's opinion on this guy and get a couple shares and see what happens. Um, Hassan Hall, who went to the Browns. Yep. That's that's just like, um, you know, I was talking about with D Mercado. There's really just Jerome Ford and Demetric Felton, who's been on the roster bubble for like three years now. So Hassan Hall, is if he shows anything in preseason this year, he might have a really good shot to be the second or third back, and especially because Jerome Ford hasn't really shown anything either in his limited time. So yep. that's a guy that I'll definitely pick up some more of is Hassan Hall for the Browns. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, you mentioned a lot of names. There was two. I don't know if you did or didn't mention these two. I'll just throw these other ones um, there, and if you mention them, it's all right. But I heard a lot of the ones I was thinking of at the end there with Derek Prince and stuff. Um, Dwayne McBride, if for some reason he's out there, mm-hmm. like I think yep. Dwayne McBride absolutely is worth a shot. And Lou Nichols, the third, um, a couple other guys I'd add to the, the list there. Those guys weren't undrafted. They were seventh round picks. Um, but honestly, when I'm looking at it, it's the same thing, really. Like it's right. as far as the way I, I view them and put them any, in. Uh, yeah. 
I don't have any shares of those guys, so that's why I didn't mention them. Yeah. But, uh, they're, yeah, those are the same principles. Like McBride, I really liked coming into the draft. I just, people take him too high for me. Like, or I just trade all my picks that were in the late rounds, which we can get into later. Yep. Um, but I just, I just don't have a shot at getting those guys. But, yeah, those are two, uh, two good ones as well. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I didn't draft any of these, um, but I saw, a couple of them floating around in leagues that I was kind of surprised. And they're typically at those ones that we don't, it was leagues where there isn't a fifth round, right? So it's the four rounds mm-hmm. and then you're out, which makes the waiver wire a little, a little deeper as far as what's available. Um, so Eric, when we're talking about these running backs and, and picking them up, I, I think the big thing is trying to get these now. And okay. I think there's a, a couple things I want to talk about besides just the names and, and how it can play out. So you, you're going to hit some of these, right? You, you mm-hmm. mentioned how Zonovan Knight, sometimes you have to slow play it. And right now I think what's hard to get people to wrap their head around is you already talked about it on the show how it's like, can we get to football season? Like that that feeling is only going to grow and grow and grow. The dangerous part about that, especially in lineup, is people somehow during this time especially, because we're months and months and months removed from actual playing football, it's it it becomes this lost thought of how many injuries are going to take place in the NFL. And that's at all positions, mm-hmm. right? It's just right. it's the way it is. People get hurt. Everybody kind of like looks at their starters and even a little bit into their depth, but they're not envisioning all these guys that they say are it's so far down in the dynasty value, why do I care? But that that's part of the part of the issue. Like sometimes some of these guys will get a chance out of the gate because of injury or because you know, a trade or uh, somebody gets cut and there's other guys that are going to take a while and some may not even fire at all. Last year, Jerome Ford would have been people, they liked him. Like Zamir White was drafted actually. Yep. Zamir White didn't do a thing, right? Like there's there's ranges of outcomes. But at this end of the day, like Zamir White ended up falling deep, deep down. But if somehow you were able to pick him up cheaply, like Josh Jacobs is on a franchise tag this year and they probably plan to use a lot of him. And if you can find a way to get a guy like that, it's the same principle as these guys. They're a work – like they're they're seriously an injury or, um, you know, even if it's for a full week or two weeks. It doesn't have to be a full season. Like that, that type of vaulting into opportunity only happens for this running back landscape, which is way down there. Like for – let's use Rakeem Jarrett for an example, okay? If Evans and Godwin both get hurt, like, is Rakeem Jarrett's workload going to go up a lot? Yeah, maybe he gets a lot more snaps and opportunity, but, like, it, are you going to start Rakeem Jarrett? You probably shouldn't exactly. be. That's the big yeah. difference, right? And that makes it hard for people, I think, right now to say, okay, I'm going to pick up all these undrafted running backs, which I don't – you have to play out – you have to look and think about how it's going to play out long term. It's not going to be something – that most of them give you a value bump in the next, you know, three months while we're still dealing with no football being played. Like they're going to happen, some of them, but most of them are longer plays, and you have to understand the process is going to be for the longer play for that. So um, right. I kind of want to talk about that, and then how like Jerome Ford and Zamir White didn't do anything for you last year, but there's a real opportunity for them this year to look very different than they did last year. Some guys right. actually had great years last year that you picked up, like we already mentioned. Uh, you know, Pacheco would be the big one. Zonovan Knight later in the year gave you some great weeks. So that's kind of what we're trying to target here as a whole. And they, it's going to look different for all these guys, but that's the process and the reason we're doing that. Right. Yeah. And it's going to, like you said, it's a longer play. 
Um, not not as much for the running backs. Like you know what you're gonna get from the running backs. <clears throat> now it might take some injuries before them to finally get to the field. But like I said earlier with the wide receivers, the tight ends and the quarterbacks, like it takes even longer for those guys to hit. And you don't want to be like sitting on those roster spots and those taxi squad spots with guys that really don't have a chance to maybe help you for two to three years at most, even if they do make something happen. So having filling all those spots with as many running backs as you can is the priority. Now what I found this year though, is when you get to your waivers or you get to the end of your draft, like people are smarter, like they take in all the running backs. Yep. So when you get to waivers and stuff like, okay, you're looking at like some of the running backs that I just find really disgusting or I don't even want any part of. Do I want to take a bunch of those guys, especially if I didn't like them and I just really see no path for them? I really don't. Like I'll take a couple shots at these wide receivers or maybe the tight ends, quarterbacks and stuff like that. I know Scott will yell at me for that because Scott is a guy who has maybe like 12 shares of the wide receiver, like 12 of the actual wide receivers who went in this draft or went undrafted um, right now and in the, on his teams. And I have like 24, 20, something like that. And, and that's, and I would say 75% of them are from free agencies that I got for free off the waivers. Mm -hmm. And that's just because there really wasn't anybody else to pick up. And I'm just kind of filling my taxi squad spots. I'm the type of player that, I'm making sure my roster is filled to the mask max. I am filling every single taxi squad spot. I am filling my entire roster and making sure it is completely full at all times. So I'm going to make sure I do that and kind of just go from there. So, you know, I was talking a little bit about um, the deeper leagues. So like deeper leagues, guys that I want to target. Like, so right now, Aiden O'Connell is my most um, owned quarterback. A lot of those were, you know, fourth round, the fifth round rookie picks, or I picked them up of waivers. Jake Hayner's another one, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, Jaron Hall, Clayton Toon. Um, these guys I pretty much got off of waivers or really late in my drafts in my deeper leagues. I don't mind um, holding on to those guys, especially with the news of Garoppolo's foot injury today. And he had surgery mm-hmm. like Aiden O'Connell right now at OTAs. He's probably the quarterback one or two. I don't, I forget who their other quarterback is, um, but O'Connell's getting a lot of good work right now. So that's a guy that's probably going to be a little more in tune and advanced compared to everybody else because Garoppolo is not there right now. So I really like that one. I obviously, everybody knows I was an Aiden O'Connell fan going into the draft. So I'm naturally going to have a lot of those. Jay Kaner is another guy that like smart people like Dane Brugler and some other guys really had Jay Kaner like rated as like the top six or seven quarterback in this draft. So I'm going to trust those guys. Like, they're probably smarter than I am. They've seen something in him. So Jake Hayner is a guy that I don't mind stashing. Jaron Hall, same kind of thing. I know a couple people have kind of crapped on him, but, you know, crazier things have happened. Like Minnesota's backup situation right now is Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. Like Nick Mullins is okay, but he's a journeyman quarterback. Sure. Um, Jaron Hall could – could maybe do something so on my deeper leagues i'll try something there clayton tunes a guy that i could actually see playing at some point this year just because it's you know kyler's hurt for now they have colt mccoy jeff driscoll like we've seen what those guys are they're ugly and clay or uh, colt mccoy's always hurt 
Um, Jeff Driscoll is just not that great. Like I could see them saying, screw it. We, we drafted or I uh, got this Clayton tune kid. Let's see what he can do. You know, just throw him in there. So that's another kid that I'll, I'll just stash. And when the opportunity comes that Clayton tune starts this year, I'm moving him immediately. Any like third round pick, any second round pick in a super flex league, whatever I can get for a Clayton tune that I've been stashing all year, I'm just going to take that profit and walk away. Like, I don't think Clayton tune is ever going to be, you know, Tony Romo coming from undrafted free agent to a starting quarterback in the NFL or anything like that. Right. But if I can get any kind of like profit on that guy, I'm going to do it. So that's what I'm going to do with like some of those quarterbacks. That makes sense. Uh, real quick though, in, in Vegas, um, I'm going to tell you who, who might be a little thorn in the side for Aiden O'Connell. Now think about the coaching tree and the staff, um, you know, McDaniels, mm-hmm. where he came from guy that you should be pretty familiar with being a Browns Browns fan. Um, they have some competition, an old guy, Brian Hoyer's over there. So, okay. That's right. Yeah. I think they kind of just brought Hoyer in as like the coach mentor type player, kind of like Josh McCown was his later years. So obviously Hoyer is taking the first team reps and all that right now. There's no doubt about that, but Aiden O'Connell's sucking in all that knowledge. He's getting second team reps. You know, obviously the second team is going to get a lot of reps and rookie and he's taking his advice from, you know, Hoyer who's been with a lot of different quarterbacks. Obviously he was with Tom Brady for how many years? So yeah, you know, that's just a guy that's going to suck in a lot of reps there. Jay Kaner, he's sitting behind Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. Like, those are right. two very, very good pro quarterbacks that he can sit behind. Dorian Thompson Robinson, I didn't like the um, him at all really coming into the draft, but he's probably got a really good shot to be the backup for the Browns sooner rather than later. Like, Josh Jobs, they just brought back, and like, yeah, he's okay, but that guy's been a journeyman too and never really done anything. So Yeah, I think I they're think grooming – I think they're going to groom him into the idea is to groom him into being the real backup quarterback for right. Watson down the road. And it's a different scenario than it's like in the running back position. But if they do groom him and he becomes someone that plays for a Watson injury for a few games, like that, yep. a- any type of thing like that. And, and you kind of mentioned it earlier. If I have guys in these 35 man roster lineup leagues where it's like, you got to roster people that, they're not all going to be running backs and people you want to in these leagues. Just the reality. Right. You, if I'm rostering those those quarterbacks, which I have picked up off waivers or, um, you know, whatever, they're on my team, I'm looking exactly like you said. I'm looking to move on any type of news uh, opportunity that he's given. If I end up missing out on some miracle type ascension from some of these guys – I. I'll live with it and understand that it's just not my process to hold them right. past a certain point, pretty much third seconds, like to re-roll into draft capital. That's what I want to do with those as well. I think the tight end position, when it's in the liner, the longer leagues as well, Eric is one where like, if I have to start shooting my shot, depending on what the premium is, right. And if it's start one mm-hmm. or start two, I'll start getting more into the weeds with who I put on my taxi and who I put on my team in the tight end spot. But I think I want to make the point of there, understand your league and understand what the premium means versus the roster spots, right? So the reason I make that mention is if you're going to have to roster 35, 40 people in a lineup league, you're going to have to roster people that you don't really want to roster in a lot of other leagues. But, and then if it, so let's say it's only 30 or 25, Eric, and the the tight end premium is like meaningless, like it's 0.5. 
like you don't want to you don't want to roster seven of these tight end upside darts and ruin your roster construction. Whereas if you're yeah. at thirty five or I'd say forty for sure, like we can start talking about some of the tight ends uh, that might make it to the waiver wire, but. Right. I, I will take a lot more of those shots and hope off of news and desperation from my other managers in the league that need a tight end that I'm, I can move off of these guys because let's say the premium's two points or it's a two tight end starting league. So there's a, a much uh, more meaningful input to the tight end position from people that you could trade with. So I, I wanted to make mention of that uh, quickly as well. And I don't know if you had any names you wanted to mention for us here. Um, and then I thought, sure. I think we can kind of, wrap up talking a little bit about lineup and also um, even before we do that up tiering and how you can make it work with some of your roster spots so that you can clear out room to make sure you don't, you don't miss on guys that we were talking about earlier, just chances at, at getting those ones. Right. So with the tight ends last year, we were kind of spoiled going into the draft last year. What did you think of the tight end class coming in with like Trey McBride and those guys? You kind of thought, okay, this tight end class is kind of poopy, right? Well, yes. And like, I, I was, I was interested in McBride. And then the further you got down, like I was less and less interested, but depending on what the premium was, I rostered plenty of those guys. It just in leagues that it wasn't a heavy tight end premium or start two, I didn't care to roster a lot of them. Yeah, like Trey McBride was realistically like a mid-second to late-second round pick in pretty much every rookie draft last year. He wasn't even close to sniffing the first round, right? No. I think the earliest I saw him go was like 203 or 4 in a heavier tight end premium league, you know? Right. So what happened last year with the tight ends is extremely rare of what happened. So I'm just going to name off – um, some names here real quick. You had Chigo Conquo, late round tight end who, you know, people love. He's tight end 11 on keep trade cut right now. Well, uh, yeah, we could talk about this too, because I, I did a short and this is honestly, Eric, th- what we're going to get into here is, is a good one. This is, mm-hmm. this has become an epidemic. Like this is a problem for, I think the way people view these players. So uh, Chig was the five twelve in standard tight end premium drafts last year, right? You had right. Daniel Bellinger was like the 509, yep. Isaiah Likely. Um, yeah, Likely. You had Dulcich that was up there in like round two or three. Kate Otten. Trey McBride, Kate Otten. Yep, Daniel Bellinger you mentioned. So uh, just naming off those guys there, like Jake Ferguson was another one. Mm-hmm. Just naming off those guys right there, like – it is extremely rare that you have like seven or eight tight ends who hit in any rookie class, especially this early. That is like the first time I've ever seen it probably in my life. And now we come into this rookie class and I love like eight, nine, 10 different tight ends in this class, but I can't have the expectation that they're going to hit like last year's tight ends class did. And by hit, I mean actually like being useful on your roster at some point last year. So kind of looking at the tight ends this year, I can't have that same expectation, but with the running backs, like there's just not enough running backs. And I'm probably in my tight end premium leagues, like 1.75 start two tight end leagues. I'm going to probably prioritize some of these tight ends over the wide receivers, the late round ones. So, you know, kind of hoping again that maybe this tight end class could at least have a couple hits because it is, a better tight end class than last year's by far and hoping these guys hit. So maybe we're kind of seeing a little renaissance here with the tight end position. So I just kind of wanted to mention that out. No, for Uh, sure. But 
Elijah Higgins is the one I own the most right now, and that's eighth. And I probably got him on waivers or drafted like in the last round of my rookie draft a bunch. I know that's a guy that um, Scott has talked about a lot. He's a wide receiver convert to tight end. And if you look at his RAS score as a tight end, it's like a 9.28 or something like that. So a very, very good RAS score for a tight end. Josh Wiley, who is um, a Cincinnati tight end. He got drafted to Tennessee. Another guy that I really liked. Um, it's just him and Chig Okonkwo there, and they really don't have any wide receivers either. So Josh Wiley's going to have a nice little shot there. Obviously, Musgrave and Kraft, you know, were drafted. Will Mallory is a lot a guy that I know you guys have talked about. Um, a lot of people really liked him as well. He's yes. kind of smaller, but he's he's a good weapon. He's he's fast, and I like him a lot. I got five shares of him. That's a guy that I don't mind stashing and kind of see what happens, even though he's the third tight end on the Giants. So they got Waller and Bellinger ahead of him. But, hey, if Waller gets hurt a little bit more, maybe Mallory can slip into the way that they're going to use Waller a little bit. So I do like him. Davis Allen from the Rams. Um, I've seen him go undrafted quite a bit. You know, that was another guy at Clemson. He was really good. He's a little bit slower. I think he ran like a 4.8 or a 4.9, so it wasn't very fast, but he plays faster than that. Um, so that's a guy that I liked. Uh, Cameron Latu, I've only I just picked him up for free um, just because he was a third-round pick, honestly. Other than I didn't really like him too much. Um, another one that a, a lot of people liked was Zach Koontz, obviously, with the 10 RAS score, which is the highest, him and Jelani Woods. I've only gotten one share of Koontz because I think people are onto the RAS score and listening to Scott and others talk about that. And Koontz was a guy that like consistently got drafted in like rounds three or four in all my leagues, even though he was a seventh round pick and he's tight end four on the Jets right now behind Uzama, Conklin, and Jeremy Ruckert, who they drafted two years ago as well. Right. So he has a very you know, tough uphill climb to overcome three of those guys. So that's a guy that sure. I like the Raz score and stuff, but it's probably going to take him three, four years before he finally hits and does anything. So that's just a few of the names that I've uh, collected so far. Yeah. And, um, I do want to mention on this, on this topic. Um, by the way, I think maybe I, now, now I'm questioning myself, Eric, I, for some reason I thought Mallory went to the, the Colts and regardless, like, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't written as the Giants in here. I don't know why I did okay. that. Indy is what I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But but um, like w- with these, I think I, I do want to make mention of something you brought up earlier that's really uh really really good as far as this and last year kind of being spoiled. But I also think like there's a there's there's a lot of dynasty players now. I think I think it's becoming more and more popular, and more and more people play mm-hmm. it, and more and more people play in multiple leagues and. The content is also a lot improved. But I think one of the things that just is what makes Dynasty so interesting versus a standard redraft league, like it forces the way the game is played and the way it forces a priority and a premium on youth, right? That right there makes the tight end position. I think it's something that is very nuanced and people have to understand and play a while to realize what they could be getting themselves into with traps with the tight end position. So this last year, right? And the, the reason I, I want to make mention is we saw flashes from all those guys at, at points, right? Whether it was Kate Otten with Brady a couple weeks, it wasn't anything sp- super spectacular, but he was getting work and he was getting consistent 
snaps and enough volume to say, okay, this is impressive out of a rookie. Daniel Bellinger before the injury had a, a week where he you know got in the end zone. He was getting more work and then he had he was injured. But that offense was barren as far as talent, right? Um, you had Chig who down the stretch had some really nice weeks. Uh, Mike and I have talked about it on, I think it was the trade show. The, like, but his snap share is not good. His guys basically never never exceeded a sixty percent snap yeah, share. They use they use three tight ends literally all year. It was Hooper and uh, Jeff Swain right. who they use literally all year. Um, <clears throat> I think Swain is still there. Hooper's gone, so Hooper is he does gone. have a little bit more of a um, an opportunity this year. But yeah, you got to watch out for that too. Like Tennessee, Miami last year. Like these teams use like. You know, if you look at their snap percentages every week and like they're using like three or four different guys at the position every week and it's really, really frustrating. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Underdog! That's right, Destination Devi is now partnered with Underdog. It's an incredible opportunity, and you know my affinity for best ball. How about getting in those contests and taking down some of these big tournaments, getting that best ball money? And right now, if you sign up with promo code 4DCHESS, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to the first $100. And the best part is Destination Devi Discord will be free to you for a year. You will get access to all the strategy that we will be talking about as far as taking down some of these tournaments and the best ball tools that will come with it. What a perfect marriage. Destination Devi, 40 chess, underdog, best ball, say less and sign me up. Now, back to the show. Yeah, no question. And I think, too, um, you know, like to him specifically, like I think a comp for him as far as like body style, the way he plays, he's kind of like a, a plus receiver that they want to use as like a move tight end, right? And at mm-hmm. 6'3", 2, 238, I think he is, like he's not ever going to be a guy, as much as I like him, that's probably going to sit in there and they're going to say, when we're running 12 personnel, we want him out there blocking a ton. Right, that's just not his game. I think the reason I make mention of this, right? There's, there was flashes and moments for all those rookies that we talked about for the most part. But when they're hitting this spike in value, like we're like, oh, but we're some people are like, we want to hold on to this rookie because imagine he's only going to keep going higher. But this class did spoil us, but none of them mattered in the points per game department at all this last year. And projecting forward. I don't think we can reasonably say, yeah, these guys are going to have a chance to be meaningful tight end once, which I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're not top nine, eight tight end, you're probably very replaceable in your leagues, right? These guys hit this premium and point. And the reason I wanted to bring this up, you talk about the you know 2021 and the 2020 class. Now, did we get the number of guys that fired or showed promise? No, but you know, in the 2020 class, we go back a couple of years, like people saw from Albert O some stuff and guess what happened when you got over your skis on Albert O like Dolce's comes in and kind of ruins what you thought was going to be for Albert O. And I'm still interested in him now at the cost he's currently going, but like you end up losing there. 
Adam Troutman, even though he didn't do much, had a couple flashes and people continued, myself included, to buy into Adam Troutman for too long. 2021 draft. Brevin Jordan showed well for a while. Scott fought this one to the death. Like, the RAS core doesn't make sense. What ends up happening for a lot of these guys is you're excited about what they've shown in their rookie year. And I'm not saying that they none of them will ever succeed. But the, the reality of the age factor and the fact that it's such a shallow position, you're probably better off. The process is basically get off the train here. Get off the train here re-roll into another position or into another draft pick where you can, again, later draft these tight ends or even off the waiver wire pick up more and keep churning them out when they hit a value spike. So in certain uh, – to wrap that up, certain tight end premium leagues, Eric, like Zach Koontz, like I'll take a shot on. I know there's a chance that he does absolutely nothing. But if somehow he plays as a 10 Raz with Aaron Rodgers for a decent amount of snaps and he gets in the end zone or he has a few catches, highlight play, I can move him. Like – because of that whole epidemic I'm talking about where people are just wanting to get insane with these rookie tight ends. These rookie tight ends that got drafted this year, Eric, they haven't played a snap. Keep Trade Cut has some of these guys like their tight end once. Like, we got to pump the brakes with the, the tight end position. So, oh, yeah. uh, I wanted I wanted to make mention of uh, a lot of that before we continued on with the, uh, the other stuff. And another thing that I've noticed and looking at Koopa's warp tool that he just came out with, shout out to you guys and, and all that, that yeah. Koopa's uh, tool. And if you look at the tight end warp, like the top four matter. And after that, they don't matter. Right. They just don't. And it's exactly. like that every single year. So like, if you're not Travis Kelsey, you're not George Kittle or Darren Waller, any of these guys who have had massive seasons, like the tight end is just so replaceable. So, you know, if, Isaiah likely at some point last year, I know I talked about it on our podcast. He right now he's at tight end 18. He was tight end nine at one point last year. Yep. Like if you could have got out on Isaiah likely for any second last year, you should have did it. And I, hopefully you did do it. You know, that's a guy who, who also has a very poor RAS score that I know Scott has talked about. He doesn't like, and, but people love him just because, oh, man, he had uh, a couple great games when Andrews missed. Yeah, and I, and so I, I love them the coming out. I love them mm-hmm. coming out of Coastal Carolina, and then the Rascore hit, and I'm like, oh, man, that just like completely deflated my entire energy. Then he, then he went to a situation, the crazy part, Eric, his Rascore was failing relative to like what we're really targeting. right? It wasn't what we hoped it was. Based on a guy that really played like wide receiver, you're thinking is going to be on the athletic side. He wasn't. Then he goes to a situation, think about this too, where there's a one of the elite difference makers already there. So those things happen. And then still when he has an opportunity because Andrews was out for a couple weeks, people are really excited about him. I think that kind of speaks to the play. And, and Eric, you're like, get out for a second. I agree. But I, I'll tell you another thing I think that you can really do because the tight end position is so shallow. When you have one of these guys – that you've either stashed or put in a taxi, whatever. And Isaiah Likely, for example, or Kate Otten or Bellinger, any one of them, whoever this year's versions of those are. When they're looking like, okay, they're going to play, they're the tight end you want out of this offense, the tight end position so, so shallow, there's someone out there that's like, man, I need a tight end. That's a young one. I want to get him. A lot of times what you can actually do is get essentially a skill player that's solid enough, right? I'm talking a running back or a receiver that, is like I don't, I don't want to go threshold or below on the receiver. That's not what I'm talking about. But 
somewhere good enough to where it's like, okay, he's my wide receiver five, and if I have to put him in, I can do it, and I don't think he's like worthless in this format. Or a running back that's high enough in value. But the owner that you trade that person, like the likely share to, they're not going to feel that and be so worried because they're trying to put that tight end spot in there. So they'll trade you that, but then what you really do is you hit him over the head with, I need to throw in though because I know this tight end is, is hard to come by. You get the third or the fourth, what have you done? You've literally netted over the ability to redraft that player or hire and re-roll the thing and keep it going while picking up that solid running back or solid receiver. I think that's literally like a uh, a cheat in the system that currently is here where people are just so over their skis on rookies. Mm. Listen, there's, I'm not saying that none of them matter, like, but a lot of them are not going to matter. So I want to sell as many of those shares as right. I can. And and in any of those third and fourth round picks that you pick up during the season, or even if you pick them up right now, bank on them for the season. Like it comes up and, hey, I need a running back this week. Oh, Zonovan Knight starting. Boom. Oh, Deontay Foreman starting for a month. Okay, here's a third. I'll give you a third for one of those guys. And you know what? Warp-wise, one of those guys is probably going to be worth it to start that week. Like, Deontay Foreman probably had, what, I think he had, like, two, three touchdown games last year or something crazy. He did. Like, Deontay Foreman was, like, an absolute just monster for you a couple weeks there. And he was in your starting lineup, whether it was best ball. Hopefully you threw him in lineup because you knew he was starting that week. Right. You know, especially in best ball if you had him, like, Deontay Foreman was definitely in your lineups there a couple weeks. So Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so banking, you know, those extra third and fourths during the season is smart. And that's another thing that um, I wanted to mention too is like <clears throat> so in a lot of my leagues this year, like the fourth, fifth rounds, even like the late third rounds is complete trash. Just like taking any of these rookies right now, it is just complete dart throws. Yes. I don't mind packaging up the three, fours, and fives. And like, like I had think in one of my leagues, I had like four or five of those picks in the in those ranges. I just packaged all five of them and took my like 108 and just packaged them up and moved up, even if it's like a couple spots. If I can get to the 106, 105, and move up from that and just give this guy all these trash picks, you know, they're gonna look at it like, oh man, I'm getting all these picks, and maybe you throw in like a you know, a player that's like a barely a threshold player that maybe they like, like a Donovan Peoples Jones or something like that. Right. And you throw in a, t- a type player like that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you're going to give me all of this just to move up. You know, I got up to, um, I did it in one league where I had the 108. I offered Gabe Dave Davis my 108 and like five other draft picks. And I got still 103 and got Bryce Young out of it. Oh, my goodness. That so is, that is criminal right. activity. Right. So like people are going to look at that and like, man, I'm getting all these extra picks of this rookie draft. This is going to be awesome. But guess what? I've been in enough rookie drafts to know that rounds three, four and five suck this year. Yeah. So like doing that easy. Another thing you can do is even trading out when you're on the clock, like, hey, I'll just take any future third for my 307 that I'm on the clock right now. And you bank that third for the season and you can use that in the season to buy like one of these um, spot start running backs that I was just talking about. Yeah, a thousand percent. And that's, I'll tell you, that's another thing that I've um, looked at doing. So for example, and, and I didn't used to do this as much as I have started to. So let's say, Let's say it's even like late third and it's in a league where the guys I really are wanting and hoping to get have, have all gone, right? Like even 
my uh, hope and prayer for, you know, Tucker Craft, which I, I like. But, you know, he's going to a situation where they they drafted Musgrave, right? He's gone. So it's like, ah, man, honestly, at this point, like I, I'll take some of these running backs. But here's, here's, I think, something you can also think about. I, we just talked about from the beginning the running backs you can probably get, like a McIntosh or a Prince, some of these guys that aren't going to cost you anything, right? So let's say you take a the running backs here, which we don't love their profile, but they're, they're any on a 53. The difference between that player, though, and pro- someone I can probably get on waivers, maybe it's not that much, really, from the prospect. It's just the opportunity is different, and who knows how that's going to shake out. If I can trade out of that, though, and someone actually wants that pick, and I can just get a future third – it's liquid again. It's not a player, right? And now a lot of times you can say, okay, well, I'm going back a full year. Maybe I can even get you to throw in a fourth or some little extra juicer because they're going to utilize the pick. Now, the reality is I'd rather have that liquidity in season, even if I have to package it up to something else to go get a, a running back and a spot start or fill a, fill a void when I, when push comes to shove with an injury. That, that means a lot more if I can do that. I didn't used to look for those as often. Now, when I get to the spot of, man, I don't really care about anyone in this draft anymore, if I can liquidate for next year's class, just for the fact that I have liquidity again, sometimes I'll do it, especially if you know it's a late third type pick and later. Yeah, exactly, man. And just having that liquidity on your team. And then another thing I wanted to mention as well is, I, didn't, I don't think uh, Koopa's tool does it, but there was another one. I think Jordan McNamara did it uh, that Scott was showing me. If you look at the warp value of draft picks, it's like maybe it depends on the class, but like 209, 210 is like a zero warp, and anything after that is a negative warp. Third round picks, fourth round picks, fifth round picks, they're all negative warp. So like if you can just maybe bank on that and use that for a pick – uh, next year and then you can use it in season to buy something if you need it but actually making that pick and, and using it is actually a negative warp value so right I just and, wanted to bring that up too. and the reason i think that's so key if you think about it right now you, you could be sitting here listening to this like yeah but eric and adam i i drafted you know like you yeah, guys I got said Terry I, McLaurin and yeah i got McLaurin. or even right. i took kate otten and I, I was able to trade out of him or i got spot I, he was decent tight end enough for me it's it's more indicative of – I'm not saying you can't hit that pick. You can hit a third. Right. You can hit a fourth. But overall, the weight of hitting those players, a lot of times you'll get stuck with something that doesn't give you value. And like he's talking about negative warp. Think about the difference, though. Once you make the pick, that player is forced into either your taxi or your lineup or your bench, right? What that means is it's, it's not a pick that – your draft picks, like we talk sleeper a lot over here. But in sleeper, you're going to see – in the bottom of your team that's not a part of anything you can move are your draft picks, right? Like that part is separate from anything that matters in warp. You can trade those for anything and it's still a pick that has not been made a player. Once you make that those picks a player, you're talking a totally different thing. Could it go up? Absolutely. Could it be someone that you hit gold on like late second, you know, the year that Gibson came out or you got, you know, Terry McLaurin. All, all, sure, you can absolutely hit something, but you could also get left with zero you could you could land a prospect you like and thought was a value but ends up getting no work like, like Zamir Zamir White last year I'm not saying I, I don't still want him but I know some people drafted Zamir White in the ranges that like Pierce was going at points and right you, <laughs> the difference in those players I'm, are, I'm are massive right yeah I mean I didn't I don't 
I'm sure I probably took a white over Damian Pierce maybe at one point, but I, I really liked Zamir White. I had a lot of him. So, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%, man. And that that's kind of the point there. Go ahead. And then you also have the people who are taking in, like, the late round two and definitely in round three, everyone, oh, Justin Ross. Yeah. You get that Justin Ross. Yeah, how'd that work out? It hasn't hey, worked out at all. <laughs> I, told, I told Mike and uh, JB uh, uh, around this time last year, like, when he went to Casey, I'm like, listen, man, you, I know you guys want him. I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I wish the kid nothing but the best, but I don't want on this train. So it it happens. Um, I, I will say, Eric, any other points on the lineup? I did want to get to a couple things in best ball before we get out of here, too. Um, yep. As far as like up, as far as up tiering or um, lineup stuff they haven't mentioned on the, the lineup side. Yeah, we can get into the best ball stuff. So whatever you want to do, man. That's okay, cool. cool. So. The reason I wanted to talk the best ball and how, how different it is, we, we've already touched on, and you guys do a great job, uh, you know, and Scott um, and Mike and I, we did the the roster construction series on best ball to kind of give everyone an idea of really how different they are in managing your roster, how you want to, you know, threshold receivers and lower in best ball, like you still want them in long enough rosters, right? Whereas in, in lineup, you want to clear them out. Best ball, can you take some of the running backs that aren't going to play? Sure, but you don't want to have more than probably five spots on most leagues where you're just looking at zeros and zeros and zeros and zeros until there's a uh, series of events which gives said running back the opportunity. So the, the reason I want to talk about this, um, Mike, and Mike, you know, he's not here. He can't talk right now, so I'll try to do it for him. The teardown king, as, uh, as Ray crowned him, right? The teardown king has been – really putting a lot of these principles into the process and, and talking about them. I'm not going to say it's in every league, but, but I have seen in a lot of the sharper leagues that it's now becoming in best ball so different than lineup as far as what you're seeing in the market, right? Like people are actively, all I get in like, you know, the Royal Rumble and these leagues that everyone's really tapped in, it's teardowns. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, you listen to us. You know Mike and I aren't going to get caught on this teardown. But that's what everyone wants to do because they know that's where the value is and you want to deepen your team. But the interesting part about that is it's getting to the point where sometimes, like Scott's talking about this, right, with the receivers and the running back. Last year when you drafted the receivers, there was a lot of running back truthers still. So the values are different. Now you get to the point where it's like, man, maybe I need to take a running back here because I'm starting to shoot my shot on running on wide receivers that might not matter as much. When everyone's trying to do one thing, you may want to zig when they're zagging. And sometimes I think now it's becoming almost advantageous to up tier. I wanted to talk about how it makes sense in the roster construction that you were talking about with lineup, how it kind of all applies. Now, if you're not ready, like if your team is not deep enough, like you sh- you shouldn't be actively up tearing a bunch unless it's a steal. Like you just, you, you don't want to consolidate your team in best ball if you're not in a position to really afford it, unless you're just getting a criminal deal. Like you get CD land for way too cheap and you know, you can trade out of them for more later. Okay, fine. Those scenarios obviously take the deal. But what I found though, Eric is I've been down tiering for a, for a long time in some of these best ball leagues. So what's happened is my team's already deeper than the average team, right? So I'm looking at you know, some some teams you look in the best ball and you're like, man, they got like 12 to 15 spots that just are not optimal at all. Like you're looking at guys that probably they should just cut them all and they should put other guys in and just 
churn. They need to churn until they figure it out. But what that causes is my team to have maybe three or four or five of those spots at most. Now we come off of the draft, right? Now, I, the reason I want to make this point is similar to what you're talking about with lineup. So, man, I've been stockpiling 23 picks, whether I'm contending or not, in everywhere. Sometimes I've taken 12, 15 picks, and I'm talking in the first two, three rounds, and they're like guys I like. So now I'm sitting here five spots over and in best ball, and everyone in my market is trying to tear down. I'm in a spot where not like I need to tear up, one. I don't want to cut these guys. And now, two, people in my leagues are valuing the down tier. So the reason I want to bring all that up is obviously understanding your league, your market. If it's still not a league that's very hip and you are better off down tiering, like you should obviously still do that principle by and large. But I think there's going to be unique opportunities for people in leagues to up tier. And this time of year, I wanted to talk about how you could make this work. So we we talked on the roster construction series, Eric, and I know you're in best ball league. So like, let me give you some examples here of things I've done and things I'm trying to do to really speak to the point. So um, there's a league right now I'm in. I am five players over the roster limit. And my worst player right now, I'm looking at, you know, Samir White, um, Izzy, Jerome Ford, Tajay Spears. Like, it's it is it's stacked, team. There's like 30-some spots in this. What I've done, though, I've already kind of started tearing up in this league and others. We talk about lineup. Okay, so a guy like Izzy Abanacanda in lineup, I still want to roster like crazy. We saw what happened with Zonovan Knight, right? Prospect profile is great. Like, he's got size, speed that's awesome. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of those running backs in lineup I want to roster. Now, I'll still roster Izzy in, in best ball. But in a team like this, which is a unique situation, I actually think what I can do is probably find someone that's desperate to down tier to take Izzy, who doesn't guaranteed workload, right? Take him, take Jerome Ford. These guys are an injury away and they do have value and they have name. Even Zamir White. Like I could probably package these three guys up. Now, will one of them hit an injury and be valuable? Yes. But what if I can package those three up and even a Bellinger to get into a real player here, right? Like Sometimes you can actually make a deal like that because it's four for one in best ball and everyone talks about in best ball how you want to down tier. But you're you're offing guys that don't actually have the real workload and secured workload, so they're not guys you really want to roster too many of them anyway. Sometimes I, I've found that you can actually make deals like that to managers that are desperate to down tier. I mean, you can land a, a Terry McLaurin with that sometimes. Like that is massive. You don't even have to go as, far, as high up as him. You could get you know, Traylon Burks, you can get all kinds of guys in that range that it helps you shed some of that weight. Um, and then also up tier a lineup like that. So obviously it depends on where your team's at, but I wanted to make distinction on in best ball and lineup. How here's the thing in best ball too. If your team is too deep at the back, what's going to happen is this dynasty. Janice, think about this in the season. There's going to be so many guys on waivers in best ball that you want to pick up and you should be able to pick up. But if you don't if you if your team is so deep and you're holding injured guys or hunter longs and guys that won't get in your lineup, you're going to end up missing out on all those waiver wire gems. You should try to tear up some of them now so that you could also utilize like some of the guys that we we're talking about earlier at the bottom and then if they don't pan out, you can churn them all year for other guys. So I I think it's different, but 
the principle at the end of the day is getting your roster construction appropriate so that you can actually utilize the waiver wire and make it beneficial for you so that you don't miss out on little hidden gems or opportunities for value bumps and trades. Yeah, so like you were talking about, like making those small little bump ups with those like back end of your roster guys, if you can do like a four for one, three for one, just like that, how you were talking. I think that's fine. You can do that. I think what I personally would like to do is go for the go for the warp monsters. Give me Jamar Chase. Give me Justin Jefferson. Give me Travis Kelsey, especially if it's a team where I'm a contender and I know that I'm like, all right, one more piece away from like being that monster. Like if I could get Justin Jefferson and I could give up, you know, let's say Christian Watson, uh, Jerry, Judy, Traylon Burks to go get Justin Jefferson. I'm going to go do that. Like if somebody's looking to tear down that much, if I can give them three of those receivers and maybe a second round pick or whatever else they want, I'm going to go do it. Like, especially if I'm over the roster limit, like you're talking about, um, to free up those roster spots, I'm going to go do it and get the warp monster. I'm going to go get the Jefferson, the chase, the CMC, the Travis Kelsey's. I'm going to go up and tear up for those guys, especially like if you're on a stacked roster, like you're talking about and you just had your rookie draft, you got to cut four or five players off your roster. That's what I would be looking to do is go ahead and make the, go for the big fish, go big game hunting. So that's, that's what I would do personally. I like that too, and I was I'm glad you did that ahead of time because I was going to get there next too. If those aren't working, okay, you try that right, and you could start off going high too. Um, so I'll give you an example, and uh, I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit. Um, one of the next two trade shows, you'll see the deal come through. Similar type team, right? I have like three or four of these where it's a combination of rebuilding picking up the right tools on my, on, you know, picking up a bunch of assets, netting positive value, just as assets, and then being left with so many that you actually have to cut down, which you, you, in best ball, it's so hard to believe you can do. Um, but if you've, if you've done it for long enough, like you, you end up getting to the point where, okay, I need to up tier. So I'll give you one. I just, uh, acquired, you'll see in the trade show as well on, uh, the YouTube South Harmon channel I acquired. So at, at this point, right, I had, so many guys that were good, but I wanted, I needed to get my roster down. So there's a guy out there that had Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And like, those guys are awesome, but he finished and set, like he, he went to the playoffs and lost in the first round. The rest of his roster just, it needs depth and it doesn't just need depth. It needs more mid range or high end depth. So I, I tried for Burrow. Obviously he was preferring to trade Herbert. So I get, so I go to Herbert, right? And, and the deal um, that I ended up doing, Eric, to your point, like the warp monsters is I ended up sending away Kenny Pickett, Michael Pittman, Deontay Johnson, Joe Mixon in a pick swap uh, to acquire Justin Herbert. So now you're hearing that like, okay, you gave up four for one and none of those pieces are trash really. But at the same time, like I think Pickett's going to have a better year this year. I think they, clearly showed that they believe in him. They invested in offensive line with Broderick Jones. I think he's going to be better, but I don't project him to be anywhere near what Justin Herbert is if we're keeping it real, right? And I like Pittman quite a bit. I, Deontay I'm down on, but at, in best ball, I still want plenty of him. Mixon's scary, but at the same time, they only took Chase Brown later. Like, there's a scenario where he still has another good year. You trade all four of those, you go to Herbert. Like, that's a scenario where one, that trade probably is what well, most people probably want the Herbert side, but you're in a position to really afford that and spend up all those pieces where a lot of teams don't actually have four players they can just 
get rid of, even if they're going to get an elite player. So to your point you're making, if you can trade four middling guys on a team that's really built well, like that's when you can up tier and you can afford to actually go get the, the elite studs too. So um, both of those I think are absolute winners because getting off of the lower end assets, even for a Terry McLaurin, gives you another player to go up tier as well. But ultimately, if you can up tier into the elite range and you have the depth to afford it, that's one of the rare scenarios, I think, where you can up tier in best ball. It just it has to fit a series of events for it to work. Yeah, no, 100%, man. If you can get those types of players, I think that was a great trade for you. Now, you know, some of those guys might do good this year. You honestly might even lose out on that trade this year. But I think in the long haul, you'll probably end up winning on that deal, especially with, like, Mixon, like – He's already on his second contract. This is like his – this is going to be going into his third year of his second contract, I believe. Right. Um, he's got all of his stuff that happens off the field. You know, that stuff keeps lingering and coming back up. Um, you know, he, he's always injured. It seems like he always misses like a month of the season at some point every year. So he's getting older. He's got a lot of miles on him now. You know, and – in a year or two, why can't Mixon be Zeke, who nobody values anymore? Because right, you know, you Leonard Fournette, all these Zeke. guys that are yeah, zeros, like right? Mixon, Mixon's the next one that's going to be that guy. So, getting maybe out a year ahead of that, you know, sure he might have one more good year in him, but you know what? In two years, he's going to be one of those Zeke's Fournettes again. So yeah, you know, if you can get out on those guys, like Alvin Kamara is another one too. Same same type of deal, Kamara. Uh, Dalvin Cook, you know, mm-hmm. these guys, yeah, they're awesome, but you know what? They're on the downside of their careers now. So if you can get out while you while you can now and ha- they have a little value still, that's probably pretty good. Right, and I think, you know, like that deal specifically, uh, Dynasty Degenerates, just to give you an idea, like I, that deal specifically probably in the, the big picture is going to come down to, okay, Justin Herbert last year, like, I still really believe in him. He actually wasn't the greatest in Warp last year. I believe he was like a, like a quarterback 12 in this league. Um, but he's a guy that I've seen do it. He can sling it. Uh, he had injuries at the wide receiver position. They just drafted Quentin Johnson. Like, I still believe the talent will push him into the Warp conversation that matters. But I think the thing that's really going to make it break this trade is, like, can Pickett become in the range of, like, a Derek Carr value-wise, right? Where he's – like, can he be kind of like a quarterback – High in quarterback two, like if he, because if he can do something like that, all of a sudden now the Pittman and Deontay might make it a little closer and might make it where, uh, I get why the other side took it. The thing for me is in a situation again we're talking here. This is where you're in a position two up tier, so actively making that trade is beneficial for you because you're trying to make your roster cut up in scenarios like this, right? Now if you're telling me this is fresh out of a startup, Eric, and like you don't have, you have not built up depth. You have not built up the picks. You want to make one move like that. That's already pushing it really, right? Because if you do too many of those, you it doesn't matter. You got Herbert, but you don't have any back to fill. You don't have any depth to fill it up in the back. So I think that's also a more nuanced move when you've built a correct roster. Like now we're talking up tiering because people in your leagues are desperately needing right. to down tier because they haven't been doing the right principles. So in best ball, I wanted to make mention of of those type of things. Um, so, wanted to put that little point in there. And I was curious to right. you too, Eric. I know you're playing in some best ball. Are there things that you you're doing or seeing this off season with players um, that we mentioned in lineup where you're acting any differently or just any different nuances for you that you've tried in the best ball space at the time? With obviously how much people are trying to down tier as well. 
Uh, I haven't really looked into to trading too much in my best ball leagues right now. Kind of just focused on the rookie drafts. But in the rookie draft portions, I'm willing to maybe take a shot at some of these wide receivers more than I was uh, you know, drafting like these Eric Grays and Evan Holes. Yeah, I like these guys, but the chance that they're anything in my lineup anytime this year is probably like maybe one or two weeks at all. Yep. So getting a guy instead, like if I can get Tank Dell, who CJ Stroud pounded the table for with the Texans and wanted him to uh, come to Houston with him, you know, I'm going to trust take a shot at that, that tank Dell and CJ Stroud have this chemistry and tank Dell's on the field, or I'm going to take Marvin Mims who Denver spent a really high pick on, um, you know, guys like that. I'm going to take a shot at some of those guys, Josh Downs, maybe as well. Jaden Reed, a couple of those guys. I'm going to take a shot at a couple of those guys in my rookie drafts instead of drafting, you know, my eighth share of Tank Bigsby or my yes. ninth share of Evan Hall. Like in best ball, that's kind of where I, you know, listening to you guys, listening to Scott and just thinking about how I want to construct my rosters in best ball. I definitely want to take some more shots at those guys. Now, Tank Dell wasn't a guy I like, I absolutely loved or anything like that, but I'm going to take a couple shots at him because he does have an opportunity to be in my best ball lineups a lot more than Evan, you know, Evan Hall and Eric Gray are going to be. Yeah. Th- that I think is um, a great point to end on too. If you haven't done your drafts, right. When you're looking at the two different league formats and if you're in both, which if you're in portfolio, you probably have some both in lineup leagues. So like Eric, I'll even get like grosser to you right now. I'm 100% with you on this, by the way, like in lineup, right? For me, I'm not saying I won't take shares of Marvin Mims, but like he's going to have to get lower in the draft for me to take the Marvin Mims shares or the Rasheed Rice shares or the Cedric Tillman shares. Right. But after that in lineup, like I'm so not really wanting to press the button on any of them. Like after really, it's honestly after Tillman, like after Tillman, man, I just, I don't want these guys, man. I'm being honest. Like I just don't, I don't want to have to play that game in lineup right now in best ball. Right, like when I get to a certain point later part of the draft, and to your point, if I can't package them up or I can't move them, I'll take Parker Washington. I'll take Tank Dell. I'll take these guys that in lineup you want no part of. But right now they're just warm bodies that maybe have an injury or two in front of them. And they're playing fifty, sixty percent of snaps, and they're actually someone that could give you three, four weeks. I mean. Uh, like Charlie Jones, like, you know, I don't love Charlie Jones, the prospect, but he's in an offense that projects if there's injuries to players or if he gets any type of work, like I'm interested in him where I, I, I'll tell you right now in lineup, I don't have him anywhere and I won't be probably rostering him anywhere in lineup, but in best ball way down the charts, like I'll take those guys, the running backs, like I, I picked up some generic Prince, but here's the difference though, to the point earlier, Eric, I think that is here right so if I get if I get to Nick Prince on my team in a best ball format in lineup if I if I have him way down the bench or he's on my taxi like I'll just let him sit there for forever like if he doesn't do anything that's okay now if I need to make a move I'll get him out of there if there's someone better on the waiver wire but in best ball my my lease is shorter for you right like if if we're talking a month in you're not getting reps there's somebody on the waiver wire in my league I know that I'm going to put in for generic Prince and I'm going to churn him out and I'm not going to care. Right. That's part of the difference too. I think in, in lineup and in best ball, 
I'm not going to give these guys passes for you know three, four weeks or more anymore on my best ball teams I'm trying to contend with, which is to the point that I'm making with up tearing as well. Like they go hand in hand because here's what's going to happen. Let's say you're rostering, you know, Hunter Longs and you believe in this guy, right? Adam Troutman types, all these guys that you say have dynasty value you don't want to move off of but are giving you zeros. What happens there in the wrong roster construction when you get to that point is you're missing out on everything on the waiver wire and those spots are guaranteed. They're basically a taxi that is in your best ball lineup where everyone else can come up and down. Like that 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 can kill you if you have so many of those then you get to buys. So that, that that's a big point there, um, being shorter on the leash if you do have to pick up an Evan Hall, a Daenerys Prince. Like, pick them up. If they get work, great. Like, let leave them sit in there. But you cannot afford a bunch of those running backs, even receivers, honestly, that just aren't seeing the field uh, at the bottom of your bench in a best ball league. Right. So t- two more quick points, and then one um, one with the best ball thing. So, like, how many shares do you think – you have of Jalen Hyatt so far. Ooh, you know what? I'll pull it up if you want to keep uh if you want to keep talking. Sure. I'll go to the GM. So tour. I I have Jalen Hyatt zero. I don't have him interesting. Anymore. None of them. But if I if I were gonna if I was going to have him, it would be in best ball. Thousand but in lineup, I don't know when the hell I'd ever play him in lineup because literally the Giants have like seventeen wide receivers there right now. And me and Scott kind of talked about it on the America's game a couple weeks ago when we went through the NFC rosters and just kind of looking at the Giants wide receiver core. Like, what? where are these guys going to play? Like, they literally have, like, five slot receivers. Right. And I don't understand what they're doing there. So, like, in a lineup league, I want nothing to do with Jalen Hyatt. A guy like him, though, I'll take him in best ball for sure. Tank Dell. I don't know when he's ever going to start either, but, you know, he's going to be competing with probably Mechie in the slot. Um, you know, they got Robert Woods and Nico Collins on the outside. So, like, it's going to tank Tank Dell a little bit to get into there too. Um, so, yeah, you got to kind of yeah. recognize how these guys play in the NFL. And if they're ever going to have a spot, you're going to want to say, you know, hey, in a lineup league, I'm okay with this guy. In a best ball, I'm okay with this guy. Maybe not in a lineup. So that's kind of was was one of my other points. But no, ahead. no, that, that that's a great point. And honestly, um, so he he is one in best ball that I think has because he didn't like there was a lot of chatter, believe it or not, of him like possibly being the first receiver off the board, being a first round pick. Right, that didn't come yep. to fruition. He didn't go to the third round. Uh, teams pass on him multiple times. But and then he goes to the third round, and then. His his big trait that people are excited about is the long speed, right? Like the home run threat. But yeah. then you got a guy like Danny Dimes throwing him the football, which people are not really saying this is a guy that can even push the ball downfield like that, right? If he goes mm-hmm. to Kansas City, you're talking about a totally different thing to Buffalo, right? To a quarterback like that. Now you got him in in New York, so it's like, man, in lineup, I think that has pushed him down the board. In lineup, I'm kind of with you. I'll take him if you force me, you know, and we're getting into the yeah, third round. Yeah, he's like in the fourth round. Yeah. yeah, late third, early fourth, like there's nothing else. All right, fine, I'll take him. But let me say, I think in best ball where it's so different, and this is another great – I'll plug the warp tool, which I, I you know, Koopa's done a great job. I'm, I'm really excited about it. But so there's another thing in best ball when you play in a bunch like I do, Eric, and when I see like different scoring settings. So warp can be affected by – like I'll look at this is not going to be something you probably can look at on the graph, right? But when I start looking at different scoring and where warp becomes closer for players where they're a lot higher is there's certain players that 
have the ability to have a long touchdown catch. And then I'm looking at some of these leagues where we bonus heavily, you know, 20-yard passes, 40-yard passes, long touchdowns. Guy like Jane, Jalen Hyatt, for example. Now, I don't know what his snap share is going to be. I don't know how his how many targets he's going to have. But I think there's a very decent chance that he ends up with some long touchdowns. And in his career, like he he is he poses that ability. I have five shares of him, by the way, nineteen uh, percent. So, like, I've definitely okay. taken him in best ball, right? I would imagine all five of those shares are going to be in best ball. And right, I know for sure I've targeted him a little earlier um, on like t- on like tier breaks with guys I have because the I know that league bonuses the long ball and like long scoring plays. So for me, that almost edges him into a touch up just it doesn't have to be a lot but like in best ball i'm already more interested in the deeper receivers and then I, a guy like him that i know has speed that that that's a nuance that i think is a big thing and to your point i'll, I'll have to actually look at this later but i i would honestly i'm gonna guess that i don't have any in, in lineup and these are all best ball shares so okay. i'm 100 with you on that type of a player but the the the, the process with him is 100 percent correct with lineup and best ball how it's so different right and then the last one I wanted to bring up that people should be looking at is if you start looking at some of these depth charts right now, and if, like, say last year you looked at the Raiders, wide receivers, obviously they had Devontae Adams, they had Hunter Renfro, but they really didn't have, like, that other outside wide receiver. And who did they end up signing? And he ended up actually being in your lineup in best ball probably five or six times last year, surprisingly. Jacoby Myers. No. Oh, you talking? Mean, I mean, you talking about last year? Last year. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Jacoby Myers going over there because I was. No, I was, no, no. Okay, uh, last year he was a free agent signing for them. Yep. That receiver. Yep. Five he's not more. with them anymore. He and he probably was in your lineup five or six times. Wait, who? Oh, now I'm tripping. Renfro's Matt, still there. Mac Collins. Oh, you're right, Mac Collins. Yeah. He had like four or five, six games last year where he had some pretty big numbers. So he, he had some. He actually had. Uh, he I, he never technically spiked on our chart because it's very hard to spike. But he had mm-hmm. like consistent weeks that weren't even just like barely in your lineup. Like he was, you know, top twenty had, receiver yeah, in weeks. He had like a, definitely a multi touchdown game in there. Yeah. Um, definitely a couple games with t- with just single touchdowns and some good yardage. Yeah. But even guys like that, man, like you you picked him up for free off of waivers. He was on every single waiver wire in every single league last year. So you can kind of mine the depth charts right now and kind of look and see man, who's really going to be this like second wide receiver on the Raiders or something like that? I keep going back to the Raiders because, I mean, they have Renfro and Myers, but those guys are going to kind of play the same little spot. Um, They did sign a guy, Cam Sims, from Washington. He's done okay in the NFL at times, but he's a little older player. Yeah, uh, like it wouldn't shock me like if he ended up being like um, Matt Collins this year. That's just like a super, super like degenerate, last name that people are like who the hell's cam sims but like i could see a, a reality where maybe he does a little bit of what matt collins did last year so that's another thing to do if like if you're just in one of these deeper leagues and you just need a couple spots like kind of just look at some of these depth charts of what's going on of like man if this guy this team signed this player 
and he could um, end up being something this year. So like Matt Collins is another good example for this year. He went to the Falcons. He's going to be their second outside receiver yep. uh, with Drake London. They also signed Scotty Miller, who's probably going to be their slot receiver because Zacchaeus went to uh, the Eagles and they really didn't have anybody else after Drake London and Pitts. So right. Matt Collins, like if, if people dropped him for some reason, he could be another one. Um, Marquise Goodwin last year, he ended up like, it took me a little bit before I figured out, okay, he's going to be the third receiver there. Uh, right. D. Eskridge kept getting hurt. Um, but Marquise Goodwin had a couple good weeks for you there. And now now he's in Cleveland. He's probably just the best ball guy in Cleveland. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if Goodwin had, you know, two weeks in your lineup this year in best ball. You know, just catching for the sure. ball from uh, Watson. Yes. Anthony Schwartz is buried on that team, and they really don't have another – deep ball guy like uh like goodwin can do so i could right. see that being a, a guy this year that might have uh have a couple games uh, yeah 100 percent. and, and I, I, there's so many scenarios of this um especially as the as the league in the season goes on right and when you're tr- when you're vying for the playoffs by or trying to earn a buy and we're into the playoffs understand those bottom spots right they gotta go and you could add like on waiver wires, I'll never forget the year, a couple years ago. And there's a league where the person that won the league, Eric, the waiver wire pickup they made in every game was the thing that put him over the edge. Like Braxton Berrios the one week, right? He was the thing that helped him win. Then it was Isaiah McKenzie had a great game. Um, then he picked up, uh, I think it was Josh Johnson. <laughs> he got the start for Baltimore after Tyler Hundley had gotten hurt for Lamar getting hurt, right? And having those spots available to churn out and just doing those little things, even right now, constantly getting yourself in the mindset of, okay, checking waivers, I'm grinding. I'm going to keep values in here that have tradability even. Cause right now you're not getting points, but maybe you're getting a guy, like you said, that's got a secure opportunity to be a second or third receiver. Like uh, last year, or I'm sorry, two years ago, Khalif Raymond was one that I picked up in a bunch of spots and everyone's like, what are you doing? You picking up this dude, right? And he wasn't the greatest thing, but he gave me five consistent weeks. Like that's something that you do by grinding the waiver wire. So that's where best ball and lineup are so different. Um, but anyway, I thought that was uh, a really good exercise to talk about how different they are right now in best ball and lineup, how you want to do your roster construction. But ultimately in the end of both of them, you want to make sure you're grinding the bottom spots in and out with players that are – the best opportunity for one value gain and tradeability and two going to be optimal roster construction for your team. And right now when it's a dead period, right? Nobody's excited. Dynasty Genesis, all you want to do is get to the season. It's going to be a long time until the season starts, man. Like it'll feel like it's here before you know it, but every week, nothing, 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 you know, training camp buzz, OTA buzz, preseason stuff. We're going to be talking about guys that aren't going to play meaningful snaps in the regular season in the preseason. But all that time, you can probably win edges, little stuff, without even trading by doing things on the waiver wire, packaging up the right type of assets to go get the right optimal uh, roster construction and lineup in the best ball. But Eric, man, I appreciate you hopping on with me tonight. Uh, Short notice, great episode. Um, Anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, I really appreciate the the thoughts, and uh, I thought it was a good one, man. You know, we, we didn't go... Our standard, like me, me and you get on, right? We normally do these like two-hour marathons, but last minute, man, I can't ask you to get, you know, way, way deep. We're already almost 11 o'clock. Eric's got to work at 4.30. So any, any anything you wanted to plug before we get out of here, buddy? 
Yeah, it it happens every time. Me and Scott get on, and it's like, okay, an hour, Eric. Okay, sure. We're two hours and a half, two hours, two and a half hours in. Right. You know, it it just I don't know. Me and me and Scott, me and you, whoever it is, I don't know, maybe I'm the problem. I'm the constant in that. Um, <laughs> it just we just keep going and going and going. But we're always talking about you know good stuff like it's not wasted stuff so i like right. that but yep. no I, I appreciate you having me on hopefully mike feels better here soon um you can find me on twitter at eric vanek nfl and also follow the uh the show at america's game pod on twitter as well we come out every saturdays on the destination devi feed same feed that 4d chess comes out on so make sure you guys check us out on saturdays me and scott uh, usually have we're some of the longer episodes so hopefully you like some longer episodes but they're really good uh, our last two episodes that we did we went through literally the entire AFC on one episode and the entire NFC on another episode going through the depth charts of every team telling you who you should keep who you should cut who's like on the borderline maybe some trades that you could do for some of these guys as well uh, but literally that's what me and Scott love to do this is our time of the year. Rookie drafts and post-rookie drafts are mine and Scott's favorite time of the year. And then grinding those jet charts, kind of looking through who's relevant, who's not, and then, you know, turning those roster spots. you got to constantly be turning the bottom of your roster. And that's how you find some of these gems, like mentioned at the top of the show, Malik Davis and Jalen Warren. I'm happy that I have those guys on a bunch of teams because I can either turn them for profit or use them this year, most likely. So I yep. uh, appreciate you having me, Adam. It was a lot of fun, man. Uh, always enjoy doing this with you guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, this, this worked out pretty well. Uh, hopefully Mike is feeling better. I know, um, you know, he had to get, I think they strep swabbed him. You know, they, uh, they, they put the, they put a little, thing in the back of his throat so i know he's already can't talk and probably not feeling loving that thing so uh mike we're hoping you're you're back next week eric i appreciate you hopping on uh dynasty degenerates everybody listening to this um i think this is a good thing to talk about it may not be the most exciting thing to talk about but the processes sometimes that aren't the most exciting are what can give you an edge in leagues right now the rookie draft's over right the picks have not they're no they're not picks any longer so we're talking process stuff Little edges to try to gain you value, understanding your league, understanding how many roster spots you have, understanding the format, best baller lineup. Is it worth rostering multiple tight ends because it's a heavy tight end premium or two tight end leagues? Those things should ultimately matter. And if you're somebody that's tapped into this show, you're already probably tapped into America's Game because it's on the same feed. But if you're not, make sure you tune into tomorrow's episode, which is America's Game. Check Eric and Scott out over there. Also, um, understanding those little dynamics can give you so many edges in your league and just remember when your league mates are playing chess play 40 chess